Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon, and I'm here to play offense in life towards what is good, towards what is right. We're here to overcome trauma and challenge. We're here to make the best of any situation we have. I am on your side, my friends, and every conversation we have is meant to help you continue to impact the world in a positive way. And it all starts with yourself on the inside. Before we get started with our conversation today, I want to encourage you, you can connect with me on social media. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eternal Optimist Podcast. Also, I do a live stream every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Instagram and Facebook at those accounts. So today, an important episode, today's guest is Kay Allison. And before you see or hear her speak, I want you to know you're going to remember her fire red glasses and her infectious energy. She is just amazing, how do I say it? She has worldwide influence, she owns a few companies, she's incredibly successful. We're gonna dial back the clock and start off today professionally in 1999. She was the senior vice president of a global advertising agency and on the surface, incredibly successful. However, under the hood, she was drinking a bottle of wine or more every night. She would wake up with shame, regret, until one day, on August 9th, 1999, she woke up done drinking. She audited the cost of this habit with her kids, with her career, with how she felt about herself, and she made a change. She didn't know exactly how, and she needed to find a way. Today, we speak about the stories one tells themselves and the antidote to those self-limiting stories. We talk about how to practice forgiveness and go back on offense in your personal stories. Going from looking for ways to take the edge off to walking through your world in flow without that edge in the first place. She gives her practice of the five M's to keep strong inside and stay in flow in the first place. She shares how to get involved in her mastermind group her book launch, which is coming up here on January 10th, 2023, about the time that we air this episode. She even coaches women in an intensive course to overcome their challenges with alcohol. It's a real treat to be around Kay Allison. Today, this is a great lesson for anyone who may struggle with alcohol or anyone who simply wants to be more often in flow. Male or female, this will be a good conversation for anyone to hear. I'd like to welcome you to my conversation with the woman who is Juicy AF, that's alcohol-free, Kay Allison. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. 
This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. And without any further ado, it is my sincere pleasure and honor to welcome my new guest, a new friend to the podcast, Kay Allison. Kay, welcome today. What a great experience. And thank you so much for inviting me. I love your podcast. No, it is my absolute pleasure. And in getting to meet you today, Kay, I'd say the first thing that came to mind when you came onto the screen was I instantaneously saw your red glasses and they brought so much energy and vibrance or straight to the place. So I'm excited that we're going to have a lot of good energy to share with the audience today and share some real life stories. I'm excited to talk about promote your new book that's coming up soon, Juicy AF. I will stop promoting it, let you promote it because we're going to dive deep into it and all the stories behind it today on the show. So let's dive straight into some challenges. Let's go back in time, if we will, and look at a time in your past when you had a challenge, something that was very difficult that you overcame or are still overcoming. And I'd love for you to start wherever you choose to with a challenge. Please take it away, Kay. So in 1999, Matt, I was a senior vice president of a global ad agency thought I looked on the outside like I had it all together. And I was drinking a bottle of wine or more by myself every single night and got to a place where I decided that my drinking was taking me away from the kind of human being that I aspired to be or thought of myself as being. And so I've been alcohol free since August 9th of 1999, a lifetime or so of being alcohol free. Wow. Wow. So 23 years, alcohol free. And it got to a point where, I mean, you said that you're drinking a bottle of wine or more each night, many times by yourself. When did you realize that this was a challenge or a problem for you, Kay? I think I knew for a long time, Matt, that once I started drinking, that I didn't have very much of an off switch. In fact, I didn't have an off switch at all. So I'd start drinking. And what I've come to learn is most people kind of go, I feel kind of tipsy. I think I better not keep going. But for me, it was like, I feel tipsy. Let's go. And I had kind of worked Mm. my world around that when I realized that I needed to stop was an evening where I had set out to not drink and ended up where my two older kids who were then adolescents had to undress me and put me to bed. And I woke up the next morning with my usual kind of shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment. But I had the added ingredient of clarity. I was just completely done because what I realized is not only once I started, I really couldn't depend on being able to stop. But once I stopped, I started again, even when I didn't want to. And I knew I was just completely out of control. Man, I feel for you here in in that time period where you start to develop this habit of drinking a bottle of wine each night and you finally get to this, what my most previous guest, Ryan Gottfordson, would say is the heat experience, the place where you realize that a moment of clarity dawns upon you, that something has to change. Was that day, was that August 9th, 1999, was that the day that this happened or was that still to come? It was the day before. So the next day was a Sunday. That was August 8th. And I thought that all the recovery meetings and resources would be closed on Sunday. I thought it was normal business hours. So Monday, the 9th, was actually my first day of not drinking. Wow. 
Well, did it ever get to a place where you took it not just at night, but you did it during the day or any other time? No, times? what I've come no. to realize, Matt, okay. is you don't have to hit rock bottom to stop drinking. You okay. don't have to be labeled an alcoholic. You don't need to be diagnosed with alcohol use disorder. You don't have to drink in the day. You don't have to black out. You don't have to have a DUI. You don't have to have ended up in jail. You really don't. If you can audit the costs and the benefits of drinking and actually write down two columns, but the benefits are this and the costs are that, and then ask yourself, which of these is more important to me ultimately? And that calculus comes up that drinking is taking you away from your ideal future self, then why not stop or at least give yourself a 30-day break? Mm. That's a good question. Why not stop? Well, I can control it. I can stop if I want to. I can take a break if I want to. But you know what? It's just Friday night or it's just Thanksgiving. It's only Christmas. It's a wedding, for example. These are just one-off experiences. I can stop when I want to. Are these some of the things that go through the head when you're trying to stop? Is the rationalizing why? Yeah, that little insidious lie of I can stop whenever I want to, or one isn't going to mm -hmm. hurt, that got me in trouble more times than I can count. What scientific research shows, Matt, is if you habitually drink as little as seven drinks a week, could be one glass of wine a night, it could be three on Friday, four on Saturday, whatever, whatever the pattern is, but an average of seven, your neural circuitry actually gets rewired to a place where that habit gets wired in more resolutely before you have any idea that it is so hardwired into your brain. And that's where this becomes a spiral rather than just a bad habit. Okay. Well, it makes me curious and kind of go back to, you had the moment of clarity you had shared. There were feelings of shame and remorse and regret, I think were the three words you may have used. Go back to that. Was that when you woke up that time feeling those feelings, why was that the day that pushed you over the edge to made this commitment? Anything about that particular experience? Yeah, it had to do with being a mom. I've been raising kids under 18 for 37 years and being a really wonderful mom and showing up for my kids has been central to what's important to me my entire life. And I behaved in a way that was diametrically opposed to the way that I want to be and really am as a mom. You can mess with me as much as you want, but you mess with my kids and it is game over. I am a protective mama bear and I was the one that was injuring them. It really had to do with that. My protective motivation and instincts with my kids is so powerful in my life and it has led me to make this decision. It also is what led me to leave a marriage that was really difficult. So thank God for my kids. Yes. Thank you for sharing so uh, transparently because this is something that I don't think most people go this far to share this transparently, uh, especially on a podcast. So thank you for sharing. Let's go to that moment after the day and moving forward, you made that commitment August 7th was that day that happened. August 8th, you woke up. And August 9th, 1999, you made the commitment. So how does one start from a place of going a bottle or more of wine every night for a period of time and just stop cold turkey and keep that up 
for 22 years. How does that happen? <laughs> Please help us walk us through the first few days and how that worked. Matt, early on in my recovery, I walked into a recovery meeting. There was this gorgeous woman sitting at the front who was telling her story. She had this mane of auburn curls. She had bright red lipstick, big smile, beautifully dressed, articulate, just kind of the embodiment of everything I wanted to be. And she was telling a story. She said, yeah, I decided I had to stop drinking. It was 3 a.m. in my living room with my husband, my boyfriend, and the police. And I thought this was perfectly normal. And she threw back the hair and she laughed. And I viscerally was shocked because at the time I was layered under shame and remorse and regret, embarrassment. And then I had a poster in front of all of that saying, nothing to see here, move along. And she embodied this sense of freedom, not just from alcohol, but from all of that shame and remorse and regret. And she was so sparklingly alive. And not only did I want that for myself, but today I want to be that for other women. I wonder at what point in that first experience, when you saw that she was embodying that, did you connect the dot to your own shame, remorse, regret, and come to a place where you could either forgive yourself or you could be on the path to healing? Was it instantaneous or can you help us understand a little bit more about that feeling, please? It never occurred to me that you could be that honest publicly uh, or just anywhere. It had mm -hmm. never been in my world of experience of possibilities even. Part of it was instantaneous. Part of it was, oh my God, that's possible. That's cool, right? So that was instantaneous. And then the rest of it, Matt, is really about doing the work to get to that place. And what might that look like, some of the work or steps in that journey for you, Kay? That's exactly what I do in my program now, right? So it's number one, that moment of, oh my God, what's possible? What's my ideal future self, right? Secondly, it's looking at all the stuff that I believe about myself in the world and my place in the world that gets in my way, my old stories. Number three, mm -hmm. what's the antidote to those old stories? And to me, those are like character values, or I call them spiritual principles or virtues, Benjamin Franklin called them, but things like honesty and humility, kindness, compassion, amusement, vigilance, like these kinds of principles, and then practicing those principles one a week. I pick one a week. I focus on it for a week. I practice it at home, at work, with my friends, with colleagues with the TSA agents, with the grocery store clerk. And important among those is forgiveness and being of service. That kind of three-step waltz of what's my deal, what gets in my way, what spiritual principles or character values are going to move me towards, and then practicing that value to the best of my ability and learning about it, that's been the answer for me. It's gotten me to a place well, let me back up for a second, Matt. When I drank, I believed that the edge that I built up during the day could be beautifully relieved by a glass of wine, right? 
And what I found today is not only different ways to take that edge off that aren't addictive and don't lead me to drink, but I've had to work out a way of being able to walk through my world and my life on a daily basis without developing that edge to start with. So if I am walking through the world in a way where I'm holding myself to the principle of compassion, when things don't go my way, instead of being offended and pissed and anxious and resentful, if I practice compassion, then I don't develop that edge that needs that glass of wine to be removed. I love it. I would call this coaching practice, I would call this putting the pill in the peanut butter, meaning that you are modeling the behavior that that ideal self wants to follow. So you're not just putting a Band-Aid on the challenge and taking the edge off in a different way. You are going and getting ahead of the challenging mindset in the first place and working on your inner inner self before you even show up or as you show up. And compassion is a beautiful virtue to aspire to practice that helps you not even develop the edge in the first place. It's not that edge. It's a different, it's not even an edge. It's maybe it's a positive edge. It's not even an edge. It's being in the flow. What is it? Is it a round loving? Is it a bear hug of something? What is the the replacement of the edge? It's being in flow and sidestepping the edge, if that makes sense to you. So it's like, instead of crashing into the boulder in the middle of the river, we're just kind of detouring around it. Now, I'm not saying that bad stuff doesn't happen and isn't difficult. And what I found is going back to, gosh, what belief do I have that's getting in my way here and what can I do instead? It uses all of these obstacles and all of this tough stuff as the fuel for growth rather than something to complain about. I mean, we live in such an age of anxiety. Everything is so uncertain right now, right? There's a looming recession. People are working from home. We're just coming off the pandemic where parents with little kiddos were doing Zoom calls and trying to supervise second grade homework and No human being could do what we've just done for the last two years. Of course, we have mental health issues. Deaths among women, 35 to 44, like of alcohol, alcohol related deaths during the pandemic in women 35 to 44 were up 42%, Matt, 42%. It tells you how unmanageable and unreasonable our lives have been. And what I've learned is number one, There are better ways to deal with your anxiety that aren't addictive and aren't destructive. But number two, you can walk through the world without building up that anxiety. If I can stay in flow inside myself, no matter what is going on around me, I'm so much more likely to be able to respond than to react. Two questions. I mean, those are two brilliant tee-ups. The first question, you said there might be better ways to deal with anxiety. What is a better way to deal with anxiety than drinking? Well, there are five M's that I suggest to people, Matt. One is meditate. And I'm not talking about 60 minutes in full lotus chanting. I am talking about counting your exhales up to 10 and then returning to one. And doing that several times, making your exhales longer than your inhales, this can take 30 seconds. Like meditate. Masticate, right? So eat, eat something. When we're hangry, when we're hangry, life looks tough. Eat a Snickers bar. Seriously, 
move. If you move a muscle, you move your mind. Get outside. For people who have cravings, there's medication. There's something called naltrexone that helps take drug cravings, alcohol cravings away. And the third one is masturbate. Who doesn't feel better after an orgasm? Oh, nice. You're the first guest that's talked about (laughs) masturbation or sex in some time. And I'm so glad you brought it up. I was wondering how intimacy or connection be one of those ways of relieving the anxiety. It's certainly a strong practice in our house. So I love that you're talking about it. We're diving into such a deep topic of alcohol addiction and then the shame, regret, the remorse comes with it. And people just don't talk about it publicly. There's a stigma attached to this in the business world. You can't talk about this lest they put you on an island. And I think we're doing the exact opposite in talking about it to, to make it, not to glorify it, but to share that, yes, we've had this challenge too, and you can do it. You can make it through it. I have been and... wildly successful since I gave up alcohol. I didn't realize that drinking was draining so much of my energy. And within the first few Mm -hmm. years of being alcohol-free, I increased my income by a multiple of six. And I had been Mm. a senior vice president of a global ad agency. I wasn't doing too badly before. I launched two successful Mm -hmm. businesses. I wrote a book. I became an adjunct professor at Northwestern University. I met and married the love of my life. And we adopted a child like, oh my gosh, instead of waking up remorseful and hungover and expending all this energy to pretend that I had it together, I redirected that energy mm-hmm. and my world just blossomed into such richness and joy. And I mean, I've traveled the yes. world. I've laughed more sober than I ever did drunk. It's just amazing the amount of freedom on the other side. Well, I love the five M's and I love where these practices have led you. The second question I wanted to bring up is that you've conquered that Everest and I'm sure that you're still in good shape to be able to climb mountains. So you're still there, you're still doing it. But you said that the second key is to stay and flow inside of yourself. And I'm curious what that means to you and how we might get there. With all the work that I did to uncover my old story, what I found is that the root of a lot of my discomfort and irritability and anxiety is this belief that I made up when I was little that somehow I'm not good enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not humble enough. I'm not successful enough. Like just fill in the blank enough. And I really feel that this is a belief that is endemic, particularly among women in our culture. We're given so many cultural messages. You're supposed to be a size zero, but men prefer girls with curves. I mean, you're supposed to be a successful businesswoman, but you're all supposed to be a devoted mother. Like we're told all of these conflicting messages. And most of the women that I know who decided to give up alcohol, this is what's underneath a lot of the stuff that developed that edge to start with, right? And what I have found is that there are antidotes to that. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. There are different flavors of it that come up today than did 25 Mm -hmm. years ago. This is what I'm here to work on this lifetime and learn about this lifetime. And that is just okay. Yes, it sure is. And now a quick pause for our sponsor break. 
Have you ever felt your phone is controlling your life? That you want to spend more time with family uninterrupted, but your phone keeps calling you just for a second. It won't take long. Just open me. Just touch me. Or all those posts on social media that are calling out to you. Like me, love me, share me, respond to me, pay attention to me. Most people are in a constant state of overwhelm and their phones are a major source of it. We have a solution for you. It's called the cell phone jail. Take your phone every day when you want to intentionally do something else and throw it in jail. It's fun for the whole family. Put your phone in jail. You'll finally be able to focus on quality time with those you love and you'll be able to escape the lure of the internet. Call today and get your cell phone jail delivered to you in just a couple days. It also works great for kids' phones, spouses' phones, and if your pets have phones too. Try your cell phone jail out today. Today's sponsor, the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I love that you had this amount of clarity around where you've come from, how you made that, that commitment, and then where you are now. Talk to us a little bit about your book, because I'm sure that there are some things in the book that highlight this journey that we can share with our listeners. Not We don't read the whole thing, but maybe, maybe a couple of tidbits that we can share. Get us a little bit wetter whistles, please. There are three parts to the book. Each one is directed to a woman who's at a different point in her relationship with alcohol. Part one is, do I really have a problem? Part two is, hey, I'd like to experiment with taking a break from alcohol for 30 days so I have more energy and more clarity. And a lot of that part two is focused on exactly what we were just talking about. What are ways that we can take the edge off that don't involve drinking? It also includes things like how to respond to seven sticky social situations like people asking you, why aren't you drinking? And then the third part is really about the transformation, the personal transformation, that is what I was talking about, being able to navigate life without developing an edge to start with. Mm, man. Pardon me, I did not say the full name earlier. What is the full title? Juicy AF, where the AF means what you think it means, but it also means alcohol-free. And the subhead is Stop the Drinking Spiral, Create Your Future. January 10th, and we may be actually launching this episode. Today is uh, December 1st, so this may be coming out right around that time. Yes, and I have on my website, I've created a workbook to a company and a journal. So if people come to my website and order the book through the website, they'll get all of that bundle. It's juicyaf.life forward slash book. And we'll have that in the show notes for the listeners so they can click on that. Juicy. <laughs> I almost said it. <laughs> yes. We'll have that in the uh, show notes. There's a workbook. There's a journal there we can get. It comes out on January 10th. Well, so I hear the three parts of it. Do I really have a problem? That's just where we are now, having the self-awareness to really talk to yourself. And then I love part two. I love to hone into part two for a moment. Why an experiment for 30 days to try this? Why is that the framework that should be interesting to us and would get our attention? When I gave up alcohol, I remember thinking, but what am I going to do at my wedding? And of course, I wasn't even dating anybody. So I was worried about something that I didn't even know was going to happen. One of the obstacles that I find common to people giving up alcohol is, oh my God, is this forever? I can't imagine forever 
without having a drink at a wedding or whatever the scenario is. What I have found is instead of pushing people to the point where they have to admit complete defeat over alcohol, that inviting people to experiment is gentler, more inviting, seems less onerous, and feels a little bit more doable than you have to give up drinking and admit complete defeat. Yeah, I totally agree. This is also one of the main parts of your book. It's one of the main parts of my coaching practice is installing new habits and thinking patterns and trialing it. So I love this experiment for 30 days to try this and excited to have our listeners get the workbook and to be able to see how they can track it and kind of have their accountability to the book. Are you encouraging or recommending that they have an accountability partner of some sort when they go through this process? Absolutely. In the courses that I'm creating, accountability and community is such a big part. When most people are drinking, you think about it being a social occasion with a lot of camaraderie and conviviality. In reality, especially because of the pandemic and because of the continuing isolation, many people are drinking alone. And one of the antidotes to that then, of course, is to create community and to be around other people who are as open and as free to talk about this issue as I am. I couldn't have learned how to do this without being in the company of other people who talk the same way I do. Excellent. Well, that leads me to next question, thinking about if someone wants to share, wants to talk about, but they're not sure how, because this is a big egg to crack. This is a, a really tough thing to start sharing for the first time. I mean, how might you walk them up to the edge of the pool to begin that conversation? Because this is deeply personal and maybe shameful and remorse in the emotions you were talking about. So how might one just start on that journey? Well, the first thing I would say, Matt, is it's a biological reaction to alcohol. And so to me, there is no shame in this game, whatever. I would encourage people to start to follow Sober Curious accounts on social media. Some of the hashtags are Sober Curious, Free Posse. If you just search hashtags like sober, sobriety, addiction, again, Sober Curious, you will find a wealth of community that exists in this space. Awesome. If we're talking about based on where you've seen maybe the most inspiring story or progress since you've been on this journey, where is the a client or could be someone that you've come across in your time that has overcome their addiction or that has made it to this place where now they feel this joy and this peace that you have? What's a story that you might be able to share that's inspiring for us? Where I want to start is you don't have to be addicted to take a break. Addiction is a red flag for a lot of people. Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to admit that. And so where I would encourage people to start is, hey, I'm just not crazy about the way that my body feels. I'm tired of feeling like crap and I want more energy. Cool. Come and experiment with being alcohol free for 30 days and see if it's better for you. Because if it isn't better alcohol free, why bother? I will tell you that at the very beginning of the pandemic, like March of 2020, I started an online recovery meeting and I really started it for my girlfriends. And today there are 60-ish people that come to that meeting seven days a week from all over the world. Wow. That is why I really started Juicy AF now. Because what I saw was people coming in green and broken and their eyes glazed 
And within 30 days, the pilot light behind their eyes was back on. And within 90 days, their family dynamics had changed. And within six months, their whole world was different. It's such an awe-inspiring, humbling experience to watch the rebirth of someone and to have created an environment in which people find healing. It's been so powerful for me. And the amount of transformation that is possible is magnificent. I wonder, kind of going back to the day that you made the decision, talked about you did it. And one of the most inspiring reasons was for your kids. Yeah. That was the reason. That was your why. And I wonder forward now, 23 years later, you're able to talk with your kids about those times and what feedback they may have offered Is that something I could ask you right now? I'd love to hear your perspective. Kids are all grown human beings at this point, which is fabulous. In fact, I just had a conversation with each of my older kids a couple nights ago where a guy that I had dated right before I got sober died just a couple nights ago. And it brought up all these memories of how I had behaved and what that experience was like. And I called each of my kids and I said, hey, so-and-so passed away. And it just made me realize that I so regret some of the ways that I behaved when, uh, to you when I was with him. And they were both like, don't even remember. What are you talking about? And so I said a couple things and they were both like, mom, you are so different today than you were 23 years ago. Just keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that the relationship with the children of full-grown children now, they're always going to be our kids though. Glad to hear that has ended up to be where you wanted it to be. I am this transparent with my kids. And so it's not like mm-hmm. I owned and acknowledged and asked for forgiveness and changed my behavior once. This is an ongoing conversation that I have with them. And the way I show up for them today, while it will never erase some of the things that happened in the past, it has allowed us to have a contemporary relationship on a completely different footing. When it's you being able to own, well, then own who you were at that time, but continuously owning who you are and how you show up. And before there may have been an edge since through five M's and through practice, you've been able to take that away from an edge and make it softer or make it different. That's positive. You call it being in flow naturally. So love to hear that. I wonder now that you've gotten to this place where you have this group that you're part of with 60 people that are engaging daily, or what might be next in your vision and how you would like to impact the world and women in particular with your vision here? Yeah, my vision is to be in community, have created a community of professionally successful women who are alcohol-free, who are either experimenting with it or committed to it, and who are attracted to the freedom that lies on the other side of identifying their old stories and practicing some new values. Excellent. Well, how are you going about building that community and serving that community uh, now? The book is a big part of it. And I have a mastermind as well as a course, which is 30-day alcohol-free. It's an elite program for 10 women. I can only handle working with about 10 women at a time because it's so personal. So that is the other way that I'm building this. So you have a 30-day course and you have a mastermind. What's the name of your mastermind? How might we find out more about that too? Please tell us about that. Okay. That is called the Juicy AF Mastermind. If you come to my website, you will find an application for it. 
And part of that program is teaching people, again, how to deal with their anxiety. And part of it is also teaching them to get really in touch with their intuition and their inner knowing. Excellent. Well, what other ways might we find more about Kay Allison out there in the social media land? Any websites, any other ways that we can uh, look you up and follow you? Yeah. So follow me on LinkedIn, Kay Allison. And on Instagram, it is juicy underscore AF underscore life. Juicy AF life on Insta. So Instagram and LinkedIn are my two platforms. Look for my follow to be coming uh, shortly after our discussion, Eternal Optimist podcast. Well, this has been fantastic. So I'd like to invite you to an experiment. This is not a 30-day experiment. This is one episode podcast experiment that my producer encouraged me to start doing some lightning round questions. So I'm going to challenge you with some questions. You're the first person. Okay, are you up for that challenge today? I am up for the challenge. And let's see what we, what we do here, man. Let's give it a shot. So first, uh, it's around our theme at the Eternal Optimist podcast of uh, inspiring people with stories of hope and that you can do it too, attitude. So I'd love to ask you first, when I say the words eternal optimism, eternal optimism, what does that mean to you, Okay, Matt, there's an old joke about a little girl who was given a pile of manure for her birthday and she got out a shovel and started digging. Why? Because with all the shit around here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. That's the way I go through life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure we just got a bleep on that one. That's great. Thank you. That is a great vision of eternal optimism. Thank you for that. Second question. What songs or movies you find motivating or optimistic to you? My favorite movie in the world is Wizard of Oz. And I think it's because when I was drinking, a glass of wine or a glass of champagne felt like it took my world from black and white to color. And now my everyday life is color. So I don't need the drink to access that world. Fantastic. Thank you. How about a favorite book of yours that helps you to stay optimistic or positive? Any books you recommend or you find? A I read voraciously. I read probably three novels a week. But the best book, it's called The Novel Cure. It's about bibliotherapy. Believe it or not, and it's from, I don't know, anxiety to zest or something. So you look up whatever your malady of the day is, and it recommends three or four novels that deal with that theme and might have some lessons for you to apply. So it's called The Novel Cure. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you. I certainly appreciate that we've taken the time to connect and to share your story today. So I just want to reflect back to you what I've been feeling the entire time, this compassion or love, because you spark it. It emanates from you. So I want to appreciate you for that. And just thank you for taking the time and investing with our audience today. Much appreciated. Thank you. Matt, this was fabulous. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.